strong voices. It's not just about one state, it's not just about one community, it's about all of our communities. The issues that face Indigenous peoples around the world sit at the heart of the questions that we're asking about the future of our political order. I am here and now, and I speak my language. I practice my cultural essence of me. What we do need is a more critical race consciousness in this country, a preparedness to talk about race, to talk about the way in which racialized logics are inscribed upon our bodies and to critically examine them in order to change it. The government's changed, but we've got to be still here. We're always going to be still here. We've been here for 65,000 years and I don't think we're going to go anywhere. What the system still struggles with is this collaboration with First Nations people. A strong voice is an Aboriginal voice. Good morning and welcome to Strong Voices. We're coming to you live here on uh, R&D Country from the Calm Radio Studios in Central Australia and broadcasting to all nations through Vast Channel 911. We're coming to you on Aitken FM here in Alice Springs and also online via our website at karma.com.au. Today is, of course, the start of the working week. It's Monday, the 12th of August, 2019, and I'm your host, Kyle Dowling. It's great to have your company this morning. I'll be taking you all the way up until 12 o'clock here on Strong Voices. Well, coming up on the program, uh, remote First Nations communities in Western Australia are suing the federal government over what they are claiming is a racially discriminatory work for the Dole program. We're going to be hearing from a Shire president about the action taken by those nine communities this morning. Also, discussions around New Start have continued to arc up recently. Uh, discussions have come for a number of years in terms of raising New Start from a range of organisations and bodies. The government recently came out about their parliamentary inquiry into it. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Danella Mills, though, today, the acting chair of the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, NACHO, who has spoken of the need to raise new start payments due to its impact, due to the impact it's having on Aboriginal people, particularly those in remote communities. Also, we're going to hear about uh, an exciting collaboration, which is presenting stories of Aboriginal artists through clothing. We're also, of course, going to hear the very latest in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from right across the country here on Strong Voices today. That's going to all come up very soon, right after this. You're listening to Calm Radio here with me, Kyle Dowling, and I'll be taking you up until uh, 12 o'clock today. Well, under the Community Development Work for the Dole program, recipients living in remote communities must complete work tasks in order to receive new start payments. The program has received criticism from participants, advocates, as well as the Greens and others, with reports of worsening poverty due to penalties for breaches. Uh, In a landmark case, nine remote communities in Western Australia are taking the federal government to court over what they describe as racist work for the, a racist work for the Dole scheme, which they feel discriminates against community residents. So Karma's Damien Williams spoke with the president of the uh, Nyanya Jaraku Shire, uh, Damien McLean, about the impacts of the scheme that it's having on communities. Well, for this group of communities on the WA border in the Ngandara community lands, it's, it's not working very well at all. Because as a program, it's a very judgmental and punitive program. 
and it's taken all the incentives out of working that used to be present with CDEP, and it's taken away all the community control, and it's left the place very volatile and unstable. So the number of communities that are affected, how many fall under your area? There's nine communities in our local government area, and we've been really concerned about the future of the communities because they're the the primary organisations that we work with to deliver services out here. And under CDEP, the communities themselves had a base level of funding to administer and manage the the affairs of the community. Now those uh, community organisations have been very badly eroded by the loss of the revenues that were associated with the Community Development Employment Program, and they've lost the capacity to partner with us to deliver services in areas where the economics of it are very difficult. And and how are the, um, the the changes or the work for the Dole scheme adversely affecting Aboriginal people? I mean, you, you describe it as uh, being um, breaching sections nine, ten, and thirteen of the Racial Discrimination Act. How how are they doing that? Well, in this instance here, it, it's not a question of whether or not it's a dreadful program or it's doing lot, doing lots of damage. It comes down to the simple question of whether or not people in this program are required to do more for access to new start or income support than people are required to do in the wider community. And that we're saying that because people are required to go to full-time work for the Dole year-round as a part of access to new start that they're not required to do in the wider community, then that's based, that, that premise for the program is discriminatory. This program is based on the idea that all problems in Aboriginal affairs flow from the effects of passive welfare and all changes that are going to be useful are going to come from welfare reform and conditional welfare is at the heart of that and an insistence that everybody in the community is equally positioned to make a transition from unemployment into the workforce or training and training into the workforce and move on with their lives. Now, clearly that is very different to the very finely dispersed remote populations in the communities out here. It is very different. Now, access to basic services that support this program, like Centrelink services, we have Centrelink out here for three days every three months. And outside of that, the access is very difficult to manage and negotiate access to MyGov to be able to, to do what you need to do with Centrelink. Or you have to go through a call centre process. And when you have what they call participation failures, you have to negotiate those participation failures through endless phone calls. And even after that, you wind up with very substantial levels of fines, cancellations, suspensions. And even in the wider community around Newstart, the debate is about whether or not Newstart at $40 a day is enough to live on. It's clearly not, particularly in very remote areas, but after you've had fines or you're suspended or your payments have been cancelled for two months, you clearly have nothing left to live on and the impact on yourself and your families is terrible. So at the moment, how do people, um, you know, try to connect with, like you're talking about, like calling up the call centres and stuff like that and having representatives come out for three days out of three months, how... How do you, um, how are people expected to um, contact and arrange this kind of stuff? 
Well, I think clearly this is a terribly dysfunctional program. It's not working, and the communities are losing ground, and that's why the Shire has taken this representative action, because the CDEP, the original Community Development Employment Program, which was predictable, well-structured, and ran for many years, was a key tool to bringing these communities through a cultural transition into, and social transition, into, it was a, the tool that made it possible for people to move out of squalor, poverty, and violence into much better into much better circumstances from the late 70s into through the 80s and into the 90s. Now that tool's been taken away, and nothing useful has been put in its place, and the consequences can only be bad. You know, when we talk about transitioning into to real jobs and, and real work and stuff like that, is there a chance for people, you know, especially in the remote communities, being thousands of kilometres away from major centres? How do people, um, you know, how are they expected to do that? Well, clearly, this is an issue. People did not move out here. People have always been here. They're here for social and cultural reasons. So... If you don't have an economy that provides work, what you have to do is put your focus on productive and useful activity that contributes to your community and develops the you know what economy you do have in the place over time and improving your living conditions. And we have a firm belief that CDEP was a great tool that gives you a rising tide that floats all boats, that brings everybody up together and put some evenness in the, in the community. It was a great instrument for community cooperation and governance, and that's now been taken away. Now, as I said, whether or not this is a good or bad program is not an issue before the courts. The issue before the courts is whether or not it's discriminatory, and that'll be decided on the facts in front of a judge. When, when are you hoping to uh, get in front of the judge? Uh, well... That the timing of that is a matter for the federal court. They'll lay that out. It'll probably be sometime in the next probably four to six months or probably uh, maybe a bit longer. So what, what outcome are you hoping uh, to get out of uh, taking it to the courts? Well, we were hoping at mediation that we would get the Commonwealth to have a look at this program and just see firsthand how damaging it has been to the communities and to individuals and their families. We were unable to get them at mediation to address the issue of discrimination. So what we were hoping for at the mediation is change. Now, clearly the services that are required to support the kind of program that the Commonwealth's running now are just not available. It doesn't match with the reality in these communities. It's taken away the good things that the CDEP could do. It has not replaced them with anything useful. It's just doing a lot of harm, and we're hoping that the government will recognise that and go back to a community-controlled format that puts incentive for people who are doing more and engaging more and contributing to their community, and the offset being that they reduce the payments to people who are not engaged, who are not contributing towards their community. But it can be done at a community level and modulated on a week-to-week basis and not the all-or-nothing, you're in or you're out, which just has such unmodulated and damaging effects on people. And pretty much giving control back to the communities. 100%. On that note, uh, Damien McLean, thanks very much for joining us here on Karma Radio.
Thanks very much for the opportunity. That was Damien McLean, president of the Nyanya Jadakul Shire, ending that report from uh, Karma's Damien Williams. We're going to go to a break now and then we'll be right back with our next story. You're listening to Strong Voices on Karma Radio. That's right, you're listening to Strong Voices this morning. Well, uh, on Sunday, the Coalition has released figures that showing uh, 42,000 people were receiving New Start and Youth Allowance in 2018 to 2019 compared with the year before, an equivalent of uh, a drop of 5%. And the government are then using these uh, recent figures to push back calls that have come for a number of years to raise New Start. New Start is a form of income support for unemployed people who are looking for work. Uh, many organisations and bodies have called for an increase to payments to match the rising costs of living. Uh, but The Guardian have recently reported that uh, some of these these uh, figures may be a little bit more patchy in different areas across the country. Uh, they've reported that uh, in the Northern Territory, Palmerston recorded a more than 20% increase in the uh, number of people claiming New Start or Youth Allowance, jumping up from 1,119 to 1,366 individuals. And in the uh, outback Northern Territory communities of Catherine and Barclay, uh, the Guardian Australia media outlets have reported that uh, there was more than a 16% spike in the number of people on benefits, while the Darwin suburbs... Litchfield and Eastern Arnhem Land all recorded an increase of more than 3% and different varies right across the country in different states and territories as well. But uh, I recently had a chat with Danella Mills, uh, the acting chair of NACHO, the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Service. I spoke with her while she was in Gama last week and we spoke about New Start and NACHO's call to have the New Start allowance raised. Well, the uh, National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, NACHO, are calling on the government to increase New Start payments. Just first of all, uh, why is increasing New Start uh, something that's crucial? It's crucial. I mean, the evidence aside, any good-hearted individual with some sense of logic knows that living in poverty is a catalyst for poor health outcomes, poor education outcomes, poor mental health outcomes. By raising the rate, which, you know, Parliament has come back and saying to us that they're going to do a parliamentary inquiry, it's no need to do that. We need to assist families by taking that pressure away. I mean, our families, as we know, are having to make a decision between paying their rent or putting food on the table. I mean... These sort of decisions put so much stress into a home. So raising the rate to me is of paramount importance. It's something that we need to do now. The government needs to assist. Go off, do the parliamentary inquiry, gather the evidence and the data that you need, but firstly assist families by just giving that small increase. Can you give us a bit of an understanding in terms of that financial pressure that people are feeling under Newstart? I mean, if you're receiving a New Start payment, there are conditions that you have to meet. You have to do X amount of, you know, looking for a job. I mean, if you're not able to pay for your bus fare or you don't have, you know, enough funds to be able to go out and purchase, you know, the right clothing to be able to be interviewed, I mean, they're just barriers to be able to move towards employment. It, it, it's just so critical. I mean, to live, if you do the maths on Newstart, 
averaging around $500.49. You take away rent, goods and services like electricity, hot water, you know, you're left on less than $15 a day just to live, to be able to have three meals and to do all the other necessary things that you need to do in your day. Now, you mentioned that the government obviously looking to do a parliamentary inquiry, but uh, what have been some of the responses from some of the other parties? It's pleasing to hear that, you know, the Greens and what we know is Labor, a part of their policy before we went to federal election, was in support of raising the rate. We've had many corporates come out, we've had ACOS come out, you know, there, there is broad support, but what we're hearing from government is that they want to be afforded the time to do a parliamentary inquiry to confirm what we already know. Individuals living on New Starter, absolutely living in poverty. And that poverty is going to impact their emotional well-being, their spiritual well-being. And why do you think... Uh, new start payments haven't risen, you know, despite of the fact that, you know, the cost of living are going up, things like fuel are, are very expensive, you know, in a lot of areas across the country. Why do you think we haven't seen these payments go up? What I would say to that is, you know, we're looking over the past 25 years. I think back to when, you know, my parents bought their first home or even my grandparents and what purchasing a property looks like today, you know, there has been such a drastic increase to cost of living and that has not been commensurate to individuals that are receiving new start. It really informs me that we're all about big business governments, about collecting tax and big business support. I want to pay my tax dollars. I want to see my tax dollars go directly to provide services on the ground. You know, I want everybody to prosper. I don't want just the big end of town to have prosperity. I want my tax dollars again to go into services to assist other families that are doing it tough. And are we seeing a lot of uh, mob being impacted by the the low amounts of payments from Newstar? Absolutely. Well, you know, what we know is that not just in the urban setting, but regional, discrete, remote communities, I mean, the cost of basic groceries are extremely inflated. So that just puts an additional burden on families to be able to survive. So, you know, here I am, I'm at Gama feeling, you know, overly blessed to be here and to be so welcome and hosted by, you know, just what has been such a wonderful time. And I'm seeing everywhere where families are absolutely struggling. I, I went to the corner store here and the cost of just buying water was through the roof. So you put that in a situation where families are receiving new start and just you go without because there's no other option. The money just will not stretch to where it needs to. So what change in the payments would you like to see happen? What do you think needs to change in this area? Well, if I was the Prime Minister, which I am not, (laughs) I would be looking to increase it. I mean, we have Deloitte, um, the economists that have, you know, they've done the research, they've costed it out and they've come back and said, you know, $75 will be able to just reduce it and to offer a change. So I would call to government to raise it by $75. Continue to do the parliamentary inquiry, 
And, you know, we'll all be eager to see what comes out of that report, but to now assist families at the early end rather than at the end where, you know, health spirals, people lose their tenancies, our children are removed. I mean, these are all factors after the fact. If you're living in poverty, your choices are so reduced. As you mentioned, you are at Gama. Uh, just speak to us about what you would like to come out of an experience like Gama. As we know, we had a lot of discussions around things like the constitutional recognition and a voice to parliament and things like that. Well, what are you hoping comes out of this? I want to acknowledge that I'm here on, you know, country and we've been so beautifully hosted by Dr. Yuna Pingu and I just want to give my deepest respect to the Gumach people and... Yeah, it's just been a wonderful time and I hope that everything that's come out of Gama is uh, a calling to the nation to have a deeper conversation around the Uluru Statement from the Heart and the imperativeness of having Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people having a voice in matters that concern us and impact on us day to day. That was uh, Danella Mills there, the acting chair of NACHO, the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Service, and I was speaking to her while she was at Gama last week. We're going to head to a break now, and then we'll be right back. Hey, hey, this is Shawnee Tilbury, and you listen to Strong Voice on Karma Radio. Woo! That's right, you're listening to Strong Voices this morning. Great to have your company, and I'm very happy to welcome into the studio here with me is Karma's Lorena Walker and Damien Williams. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Well, a lot's happening around the country. We're going to start with you for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander News, Damo. Uh, you've got a story this morning in regards to the uh, NEMA Awards. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, the NEMA's uh, happened over the weekend, um, the 10th of August, and uh, we had uh, some... There were some great performances up there as well from, uh, you know, Dan Sultan, um, Jessica Mowboy, The Titters, uh, heaps of heaps of uh, performances up there. But, uh, yeah, this year's honours um, went to... We'll start off with the, the Community Clip of the Year, the Denimon State... Um, uh, clip of the year went to the Denimon, um, and that was for the State of the Heart. Um, best new talent in the NT is uh, Mumbali, and um, yeah, you know they've they've been a. Uh, I saw them at um, Adelaide. Um, Oh, why Adelaide and uh, yeah they're pretty uh, amazing group of followers as well that was they were pretty cool to watch uh, film clip of the year goes to Briggs for his um, life is incredible film clip as well and uh, yeah good to see Briggs back out there as well uh, new talent of the year went to Kate um, and I think that's how you pronounce it Kate K-A-I-I-T so yeah Kate went for that and then um, artist of the year well you know can't look past uh, the Baker boy he's just been um, running amok in the uh, music world uh, down south and, and all over the country as well but um, yeah two two um, album of the year went to Mojo Juju um, and yeah she just been incredible for her song uh, Native Tongue which also won the song of the year as well so um, a double there for Mojo Juju um, taking out 
album of the year and song of the year for Native Tongue. Yeah, that's pretty pretty amazing. And um, yeah, too bad you know we went to the last one, Lorena and I, yeah, but um, it would have been awesome to uh, uh, go up. But I mean, it coincides with the art festival as well, so yeah. the Darwin Art Festival and just everything big happening up there in Darwin um, for this year's festival. So it's pretty amazing. Awesome. And and just Damo for you. You know, speak to us about, I guess, the importance of having an awards like this, you know, where we get to recognise these amazing artists like Baker Boy, like Mojo Juju, like Briggs, and the up-and-coming ones as well. Mm. It's a really good platform, isn't it? It it is a very good platform because, you know, getting... our music out there and recognized by the nation as well is pretty awesome you mean you know just uh, i think it was earlier this year you know electric fields beca- um, being run runners up for to represent australia in eurovision which is pretty amazing i mean those guys as well um just yeah like putting the world um aboriginal music into this world stage uh, i mean you know you had um awesome um uh performers like you the indie that um you know paved the way for aboriginal music into into the world as well and seeing a lot of uh you know the arnhem land the yolongo mob um yeah pushing forward as well mombali you know coming from arnhem as well so um it's pretty amazing to to get that sort of foot in the door as well and you know having like people like Dr. G um, still winning arias and, and stuff um, mm-hmm. after he has gone you know it's still mm-hmm. um, yeah just amazing to, to be able to have that kind of platform for especially like having like you know things like best new talent in the NT best new um, you know community clip of the year as well representing um, you know looking at music right around the country out in remote areas as well and um you know, for for those for those people out in the communities and stuff, it, it's pretty amazing to to be able to have a had a have a category that they could um, you know come into and be at an award such as the Nemas and have their um, talents shown. It's, it's just it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And just for those artists in particular, they're they're breaking barriers themselves. Like Mojo Juju is mm. completely you wouldn't no like seeing her perform, you wouldn't think that that would be her yeah. performing. And Kate, she's a neo soul artist she's bringing yeah. a whole new level of music to different uh, types yeah of music it is too. so they're all different types and I think that's that's pretty amazing and they're they're being invited to festivals that you wouldn't even see Aboriginal people Torres Strait Islander people play at so they're they're pretty and they're the, breaking barriers themselves and it's awesome to have that sort of um you know, First Nations mix into like modern kind of music as well. You know, mm. like Electric Fields, you know, singing language as well. A Baker Boy raps in, in language, and you know, Major Juju's, you know, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, on to our next story quickly, just with you, Lorena. I understand uh, a story about an Aboriginal business working with Qantas. Yeah, so a Aboriginal um, man, he his business is called, or his company, sorry, is called Dreamtime Taco. He supplies Qantas with uh, four, 450,000 of the lemon myrtle coconut slices, which are recipes which were made by um, his uh, Wiradjuri grandmother, Bessie Daly, and he's hoping... Um, a new Business Council of Australia program, which is pledging to buy three million in supplies from different Aboriginal companies throughout the country, um, which will provide, um, you know, 
other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander companies to go out and to be success, successful and also to target um, the big names like Qantas, um, Commonwealth, Microsoft and really just work together in being able to push out, um, yeah, their their company and, and push out the, the positive me- um, messages to other businesses or people who may want to start up their own business um, in whatever field to, to really, um, yeah, just, you know, go for it and you don't hold back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to see that they're looking to provide that support, but also I think, you know, I think we're seeing a little bit more now, you know, um, the different, uh, you know, traditional foods being incorporated a lot more and that actually being explored a lot more, which I think is awesome as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, Native Australian cuisine is pretty awesome. Mm. And just the sound of that when, <laughs> when you're actually reading that, Lorraine, and like that, that made me hungry. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Sounds nice, about that. Hey, hey. It does. Well, yeah. uh, on that note, that's all we have time for. Uh, Lorena, Damien, thank you both for joining us for the news from around the country. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to a song now and then we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ricky Bloomfield and you're listening to Strong Voices on Karma Radio. Australian clothing retailer Gorman has collaborated with Mankanjar Arts, uh, showcasing the stories of Aboriginal artists from Fitzroy Crossing in the Kimberley region of Western Australia. The Aboriginal clothing line was actually launched this weekend at the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair. Uh, Belinda Cook, manager of... uh, Mankaja Arts uh, spoke with the wise Malvika Haymouth about the company's mission and how we'll benefit from this collaboration. It's an Indigenous owned and governed art centre and it's been around for about 30 years. It's a space that was set up by the artists wanting to share their artwork and sell their artwork. It's a space for economic, cultural and social development for the community of Fitzroy Crossing in Western Australia, in the Kimberley. And we've got over 250 artists as members here and we uh, support the communities around the Fitzroy Valley region to produce art and engage in cultural practice. How did the collaboration between Gorman and Munkaja Arts come about? I'm originally from Melbourne myself, so I knew quite a lot about Gorman. And it was a brand that I admired in terms of the collections they had done with Mercamora and other artists. And I showed our board here, who are all local Indigenous artists and members, and they thought it was a good idea to approach them about a collection. The board and some of the artists here had been talking about fashion for quite a while and have been establishing their own small brands in natural dyeing and silks and that kind of thing. But they thought, you know, a way that we could learn about the fashion industry was to collaborate with a big brand that we thought would respect us and work with us appropriately. Are you satisfied with the way Gorman has handled this collaboration? Do they accurately depict and present the artist's cultural stories? Every stage of the process, the board and the artists were involved in decision-making. So when the designs were first done, they were sent up and got approvals here first. There's a lot of discussion around how artworks were going to be used and which artworks were appropriate. And so our artists made sure they selected which ones were the best to go on the clothes so that they weren't stories, for example, that were of particular sacred nature that couldn't be shared publicly in that way. What does this collaboration between Gorman and Aboriginal artists mean for Munkaja Arts? It's been a really fantastic opportunity to experiment in another area of the arts and to look at it as an industry that we could be engaging with to tell our story and to market and promote what Munkature is about in a way that we haven't before. St Gorman has such a massive following around the country, so it's a fantastic promotional opportunity for us to share. And it's also creating pathways for our younger generations to look at different ways that they can engage in the arts and in their culture and share it. What feedback have you received from artists about this collaboration? Tommy May, who's 
really the most senior man in the project, but also the founder of Monkacha is just thrilled and I've never seen him so excited about something. He's so proud. So overall, everyone's really enthusiastic and wants to see more. Are there any other future collaborations on the horizon? We're collaborating with other artists around the country in different fields. So we're working with Jula Jess Jupp, who's based down in Perth. We're working with Trent Jansen in Sydney on object design and furniture creation. So we've got a few things in the pipeline and we find that collaboration process really positive and a great way to engage with new skills but also build on our own. That was Belinda Cook, the manager of Monkajar Arts, there ending that report from the wise Malvika Haymanth. That's going to conclude Strong Voices for this Monday morning. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoyed the uh, any of the interviews or the stories that we've been playing for you this morning, you can listen to them back on our uh, Karma SoundCloud. We'll be looking to post up a podcast of the show, and we'll also be looking to post up those stories as well up to our webpage. Oh. 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 Oh.